Welcome to the King's Healing Room Podcast, where we are a kingdom ministry within global presence. We are located at 4326 Pharaoh in Syracuse, New York, 13219, where the executive pastor is Elder Yulon Jones and the senior pastor and founder is Bishop Brian K. Hill Sr. All are welcome. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Thanking and praising God for allowing me in his presence once again. And I thank and I praise God for every day that he allows it. We ought to be giving God praise for all the things that we, that we've been blessed with with our lives, with our health, and with our strength, and with the activity of our lives. We ought to thank God for allowing us in his presence. Those in virtual land and those that are present, if you're able to stand, stand as we pray, and if not, just bow your heads where you are. O gracious Father, as we humbly come before you, at the throne of grace, Lord. We ask first and foremost that you forgive us of our sins. Lord, for unrepented sins, for wrongful thoughts, wrongful words spoken in the atmosphere or towards anyone. Lord, you know our inner being. You know our thoughts. You know our hearts. Lord, we come before you humbled, and we ask you to have mercy and not sacrifice. We ask you to continue to lead and guide our lives, oh God. For we can't do anything without you. We need you each and every day, oh God. Continue to guard and guide our footsteps. Lord, we thank and we praise you for healings of the minds and the bodies. Lord, we thank and we praise you for our going outs and our coming in. Lord, we thank and we praise you because you knew us by name. You knew us before the foundation of the world began. We thank and we praise you for being a chosen people. Lord, we thank and we praise you for you being our Father, the great and awesome one of the universe, the creator of all things. We thank and we praise you, O God, for the mercies and the grace that you bestow of us each and every day. Lord, we thank and we praise you for those that you have placed in our lives. Lord, those that have blessed us and those that we're able to bless. For oh, gracious Father, we ask that each and every need this morning be met, O oh God, according to your will, not our will, but that your will be done. O oh, gracious Father, we thank and we praise you for keeping your hands upon us, sustaining us, and keeping us from all hurt, harm, and dangers, and dangers seen and unseen. We thank and we praise you, O oh God, for our children and our children's children. Continue to keep your hands upon them, O oh God, for we know that this world is broken, and there is chaos here, there, and everywhere. But we know that you are in control over all things, O oh God. All things are in thine hand, Lord, and nothing is allowed unless you allow it. Lord, we thank and we praise you for all trials and temptations, O oh God, because we know that with you we are conquerors. Lord, we know that we can conquer all things through you and by you. O oh, gracious Father, we ask that you bless the bishop of this house. You continue to keep your hands upon his mind, his body, his soul, his spirit. Lord, rebuke the enemy, Lord, that may come against him, O oh God. Lord, you said no weapons formed against us shall prosper. Lord, we ask that you break down all strongholds, O oh God. Those that desire to serve you on this morning, O oh God, those that have backslidden, Lord, bring them to you. Break down their strongholds, O oh God. 
Let them feel and know that you are with them and that you love them, O oh God, beyond all they can ever imagine. Lord, we know that our lives are in your kingdom. And Lord, you are the giver of life and death. And nothing, nothing goes by you. Lord, you see all things. You know all things, O oh God. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for our sister pastor. Keep your hands upon him and his family. Continue to strengthen him, O oh God, and protect him from all dangers. Lord, we thank you and we praise you on this morning for who you are and whose we are. And Lord, we ask that your word this morning as it goes forth, that you bless it, that you let it resonate in the spirits and the hearts of your people, O oh God. Lord, that you let it meditate, let their minds meditate upon the words that are spoken. Lord, for it's not I, but you that work through me. Lord, as I step back and step forward, take full control. Lord, you let have your way, as you always do, Lord. We want you first in all things. Lord, let your word be a blessing to those that hear and give heed to it in obedience to you. Help us to be obedient to you and only you. Bless our children that they may have the mindset to serve you, O oh God. Lord, bless your people that they may have the mindset to serve you and only you, to put you first in all things. We will never fail to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory that is due to you this day and every day of our lives. In your precious and precious holy name, O oh God, we pray. Amen. And thank God. Glory to God. This morning's lesson Amen. is no other way, no other one. No other way, no other one. Now we know that back over 2,000 years ago, there was a whole lot of stuff going on. And we know that there were commandments that were given. And we know through disobedience that the chosen of God were busy doing everything except for what God wanted them to do. Now what goes, what happened over 2,000 years ago then is happening now. This is one commandment that most of us do not think we ever break. We tend to imagine an idol worshiper lying prostrate in front or before a carved image. And I most, most think that, yes, that's what an idol worshiper is. Not so. Yet, the command is much bigger, wider, or even larger than that. An idol worshiper or an idol is anything or anyone that takes the place of God. In other words, that takes the place of God in our lives. It is anything, an object. It could be a vehicle, it could be a house, it could be clothing, it could be money, furniture, whatever that object is. It could be a carved image, it could be a picture. But any object, and there's many more, or an idea, a wrong idea, a greedy idea, anything, or philosophy. And in other words, it's a study of basic ideas about knowledge, about truth, about right and wrong, religion. And the nature and the meaning of life. 
Now, wouldn't you think that the Bible contains all that? Why would you even want to try to study about the basis of life? We know who the Creator is. He created all things for Him, to Him, and by Him. He said, if any man lacks knowledge, ask God. If any man lacks wisdom, ask God. But you can ask God for wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. It tells you right in his word. God gives us common sense. He gives us the truth. The truth is his word. Why would we want to know about right and wrong or look to study right and wrong when it only takes common sense? You know what's right and you know what's wrong. But anytime you put these priorities above God, it's an idol. Your idleness. Habit. Oh, yeah. You have the habit of club life, but you don't have the habit of the church life. I'm going to say that again. You have the habit of a club life, but you can go out and party all day, or the weekend twice on a Sunday. But you ain't got the habit of a church life where you should be in and worshiping God and giving Him all and that more that He has given you. Yeah. Amen. Or how about your occupation? Hmm. You put your job above God. Well, who gave you that job? Who gave you the knowledge? You opened that door that you had that occupation. But you forgot about that. So you put that occupation above Him. It's an idol. Those habits of the club life, those are, those are idol things. Those are things of the world. Or sport. You're in sports. And you put that, oh, I got I to gotta go to this game. Oh, I got to go, I got to watch this football game on TV. Or I got to watch this basketball game on TV. Whatever the sport may be. And it's the idol because you have placed it before God. Anything gets better. Or a person. How about that one? Or a person that is your primary concern. Or that and or that to any degree decreases your faith, trust, and loyalty to God. How about that? When you can, when you put, and it could be a child, it could be a wife, it could be the husband, and it could be a sister, a brother, anyone, any person, it could be a minister, it could be a deacon, a deacon, any person that you put above him is an idol. Because your primary concern is that person, and your primary concern should be God. He's the only one that can give life and take it. He's the giver of life and death. And the only reason why things are allowed to happen is it's according to His will. He allows it. Every temptation ain't by the enemy. Everything that happens ain't always pertaining to the enemy. God does testing. Our God is the person we think most precious, for whom we would make the greatest sacrifice, and who moves our hearts with the warmest love. He is the person who, if we lost him, would leave us desolate. In other words, we would be deserted. We would even be God forsaken. 
if we lost him. He is an intricate part of our lives. If it wasn't for him, nothing would exist. He spoke it and it happened. That's the kind of God we serve. He is a living God, not a dead one. Nothing is to be placed before the Lord. Nothing. If God is what he claims to be, then he must be supreme. In other words, he should have complete authority over our lives. Before everyone and everything. Now you may ask the question, what can be an idol in our lives? Hmm. What can be an idol in our lives? Oh, I am so glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. The first is the God of oneself. Oh yeah. So some people think that they're, they're that God. But you ain't the God, but the God of, of oneself. And I'm going to read a little bit of God's word, a couple scriptures, because you have to read the scripture above and below in order to understand the reasoning behind what occurs and what happens. They, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than a creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Now that is in Romans chapter 1, verse 25. Now, Scripture says in Romans 1, verse 24, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lusts of their own hearts to be dishonored or to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Hmm. God gave them up. God gave them up. Now, like I said, in order for you to understand the scripture, you have to read above and below. So, the verse that tells us why this happened, and God gave them up to their sins. Now, God didn't give them by humanity because of the sins that they were committing. Because if he had, we wouldn't be here. If God gave up on humanity, do you think that he would have gave Noah the knowledge to build the ark and to save his household and the animals? If he had given up on humanity, because you remember, he destroyed the world the first time by water. So he didn't give up on humanity. So verse 25, it says, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And then it says, for this cause, verse 26, for this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change their natural use into that which is against nature. Ain't that something? But he allowed them, he allowed them to go deeper and deeper in their sins. He allowed that. And the lie was they worshiped Satanic or Satanic counterfeits of God. They worship everything except for who they should have been worshiping. They were void of truth and they were void of power. Anything 
real ain't going to benefit you. Because you can have a fake flower and you can have a real one. And when you go to smell the rose, the real rose, you're going to smell the fragrance. But smell that fake flower. Smell that fake rose. Tell me if you smell any fragrance. The only fragrance you're going to smell in that is if you spray it with something. That's the only way you're going to smell something on that. Now certainly, some people worship their own likeness. Oh yeah, they worship their own likeness. But it is not limited to their physical bodies. It's not limited to that. And for all practical purposes, they simply feel that the world revolves around them. Oh, they, the world revolves completely around them. Uh, I think not. All they think about is what they're going to get out of life. That's their primary concern. So they're not concerned about the creator who gives life and takes life, who has heaven and Hades that he can put them in. Oh no, they're thinking about what they can get out of this life. But guess what? He said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall stand. So if you ain't in the word and you out of the word, guess what? You already know what you had. Because this life can't offer you nothing. Yeah, it's good to have things. God, God expects us to enjoy our life. But we are to serve him. He is the first primary concern. Him. Because I'm telling you, there ain't nothing here. On, 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 and I always say on God's green earth because he created this too. Okay? There ain't nothing here that can compare what's there. Not nothing. He got some, he, they, in the book of Revelation, spoke about some, some gems I ain't never even heard. What's crystallite? That's a gem. That's a gem. So nothing here wouldn't benefit me nothing. I want this there. And I hope you do too. They always want to come out on time. Always want to come out on time. And we got a whole bunch of folks like that. I'd rather start at the bottom and work my way. However God takes it. I'll be a servant and I'm happy to be one. I don't care if I'm a doormat inside the gates of heaven. Inside, y'all, I can be a doormat and I'll still be happy. Because I'm in there. And then you say something will make by the skin of your teeth. And do you know I'm that that's still that bothers my mind? I didn't even know we had skin on your teeth. Didn't even know that. He said something just gonna make it in by the skin of your teeth. Come on now. I'm like, we think this is all enamel. That's what man said. God said, yeah. listen, I'm listening to him. That, is, that blows my mind every time I think about it. I'm like, Lord, you know you can't mess with my little infinite mind because you know it only takes so much. But I love him because he, because he, you talking about some things? Yeah. And I tell you, it, it don't take don't take much for him to get get at my head because I'm just like oh Lord I just want to make it in that's it but I always go to that that always sticks in my mind you know someone will make it by the skin of their teeth I always say that it's like well I want to make it in. <laughs> but they always want to come out on time. And they want success at any cost. They don't care what it costs to get that success. Regardless if it is at the cost of their faith. It could be the cost of their faith. It could be at the cost of family. It could be at the cost even of their friends.
happens at any cost. We got another one, another idol, the God of pleasure. Hmm. Yeah, that's idol too. He said, for many of whom I have told you often. Now this is Paul talking to them in Philippians. Okay? He says, and now I tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ who ain't, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame who set their mind on earthly things. This ain't gonna benefit you nothing. Did the word of God say, what would it gain a man if he, what would it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Ain't gonna profit you nothing. Cause I guarantee that you came in naked, you didn't carry nothing in, you ain't carrying nothing out. The same way you came in is the same way you're going out. Philippians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. Now this scripture, it reveals Paul's compassion and concern for those who most tragically are the enemies of the cross. And he offers a stern warning. Just like when our bishop speaks, or any minister of God speaks, they're given the God's children stern warning of the things that are about to happen, about the things that are going to come. We have to give heed to that. We have to be obedient. Or we're we going to be caught up in it. Be caught up in that mess. But he gave a stern warning against them. But here he weeps for them. Because he knows if they don't turn from their wicked ways, if they don't turn their lives over to Christ, they will die in their sins. And you know, if you die in your sins, guess where you're going to end up? In Hades. And there's a place even higher than that. And they talk about that one too. The lake of fire. And you talking about is, is Hades here on earth? I don't think so. Because one second there, God placed you one second there, you'd be a believer. Because it's a whole lot higher there than it is here. You could be standing on the equator or out of the sun and it's higher than that. Okay? Let me just put that out there. I don't think there's anything higher than Hades in the lake of fire. He made those things. And they were only intended for the fallen archangel and the ones that followed. But mankind gonna follow, follow for himself there too. Because either you're gonna live for Christ or you're gonna live for the enemy. You can't live for both. The people who worship this guy may be living for gratification of the senses and physical or especially sexual pleasure. Mm. The problem with this is that once you have tried a thing, you soon get tired of it and want more. So what you were doing, after a while you get tired of it, so you want something different. Then it becomes more of a personal show and a deliberate and stubbornly desire to behave in a way that is unreasonable or unacceptable, often in spite of the consequences. They don't care what the cost is. They don't care about the consequences until it's too late. There is more diseases out here now than ever. And that's some of the consequences. Then some of them, them diseases, you, there ain't no cure for them. Ain't no cure for them. The only one that can cure that is God. And that's not as according to his will. 
He has all things in his hand. And he can do it when he wants to, how he wants to, and when he wants to. Now, the person that becomes, this person can also come, become deviant and unholy, have an unholy appetite that cannot be satisfied legitimately. And so then you can see Ephesians chapter 5 verse 12. But they can have such an unholy appetite that it can never be satisfied. Never be satisfied. Legitimate. And then we got another guy, another idol. So we also so we know that it's of oneself. And we also know that it's one's pleasure. And then we also have the idol, the good of the, the God of possession. That's an item too. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man, which Matthew 6 and 24 states. Mammon is money, material wealth, or any entity that promises wealth associated with the greedy pursuit of gain. That's what that is. That's an idol. Anything that you put above him is an idol. It don't matter what it is or who it is, it's an idol. Now, scripture, the scripture in Job, chapter 31, verses 24, 25, and 28, it states, or in other words, it said, If I have made gold my hope, or set to find gold, you are my confidence. If I have rejoiced because of my wealth was great, and because my hand had gained much. This also would be an iniquity deserving of judgment, for I would have denied God who is above. Now this is Job, and we know that Job was the wealthiest man in us. But these are the words that Job spoke. That if he put anything above God, that he was deserving of judgment. Because he would have he would have put these things above the creator. Of the one that has given him, not just him, but given us all the things that we possess right now. Even our lives. Every man and woman has a God. For some, it is the one of the Bible. It is the God of the Bible. Yet for others, it is something or someone they live for or perhaps some passionate pursuit in life. If it's not the God of the Bible, then it's an idol. It is terrifying but true. A person can worship in church every Sunday, yet be a full-time idol worshiper. Oh, you didn't know that? Oh, it's, it, it's terrifying, but it's true. It can be. Only God knows. He sees everything. Everything. You might fool man some of the time, but you'll never ever fool God anytime. Now, the second 
commandment, because that was the first. Thou shalt not have other gods before me. The second commandment shows the natural outgrowth of an individual who no longer loved the Lord, your God, with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, which is in Matthew 22, verse 37. Now, we can consider the account of the Israelites and their, and their worship of the golden calf. Now, we all know about that. We know that Moses was called up and that he was able to speak with God and God with God's finger, wrote out the Ten Commandments. So he was up there. So in Exodus 32, 1 through 14, you'll find all this. But Moses had left Aaron in charge of the people while he went up to Mount Sinai to receive the law and the commandments from God. Now he left him in charge of the people. When he had been up there for some time, the people began to complain. They began to complain to Aaron, urging him to make a God for them to see and worship. Now what part of the God that delivered them from Egypt did they not understand? What, what part of that did they not understand? He delivered you out of the hand of Pharaoh from the bondage of slavery. He brought you to the Red Sea, part of the Red Sea. You, you had to be here to see it. When the waters were bitter, he made them sweet. When he turned around and they were thirsty, he gave the most, he always gave his, the man that he appointed the command of what he needed to do, and water came from the rock. What part of that did they not see? Pillar by day and fire by night. What, what did they not see? But they complained. They complained. Just what happened about now? Complained to Aaron to make them a golden calf that they could see and worship. Now he knew better. He knew better. You're Moses' brother. Come on now, you know you know better. Why are you doing this? But instead of him rebuking that, oh no. So Aaron took all the gold jewelry from him. All the gold jewelry, and he had to take a lot because that calf was the small. And he made the golden calf. Now he knew better, but he did it anyway. And that's and that's the problem some of us may have. You want to appease people? No, you don't appease people. You better be a peace of God. You better. That's the one you need to be pleasing. Because they got to where it puts you. He do. So you ask yourself, how could the Israelites so quickly have forgotten the God who delivered them from Egypt? How could they have so quickly forgotten? In real life, there were two stages in their idolatry. There were two stages. The first stage was more precise and less obvious. The second stage was done openly and unashamedly and violently. Now the root of their idolatry was a previous departure of their hearts from God. And once that happened, they leaned too much on the person God had chosen as his instrument which was Moses. In effect, Moses was the first idol 
And the golden calf was the second item. Instead of keeping their eye on the prize, on the one that delivered them, they had their eye on the anointed one that got appointed. So they were idolizing him instead of idolizing God. And then they idolized them, that golden calf. Now it's easy to make an idol out of a person God has greatly used in our lives or even out of spiritual tradition. It can be easily done. But we have to know who he is because we have to realize also that he's just a man that God anointed and appointed him but we should be worshiping God and not man we want something touchable to turn to say if you don't see it then you don't believe it but sometimes what you see ain't always what it is. It is, of course, not always easy to worship an invisible God. But he's omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. He's omnipotent. But yet Jesus, he said, God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. John 4 and 24. God is everywhere at the same time. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Get this. If heaven is his throne, earth is his footstool, and he got his foot on earth. Tell me, son, where do you think he at? You think that he's not there? He got his foot on earth, okay? We ain't but a drop, we ain't but like a grain in a bucket. Take one grain of sand, one little grain of sand, and put it in a bucket. An empty, clean bucket. And tell me if you can find it. We have to remember who he is. Because that grain is us. And he got his foot on earth. And heaven is his throne. And he sees everything. All around the world. Okay? Everything. Nothing is hidden from him. Nothing. Incredibly, after Aaron built the calf, now get this, after Aaron built the calf, he built an altar in front of it. Who does that? He built that calf, but he built an altar in front of it. And this is what he told them. And he told the people, tomorrow is a feast day to the Lord. How are you going to build something for the people and then build an altar and then tell them that it's a feast, the next tomorrow's a feast day to the Lord. But you got that calf there. You'll find that in Exodus 20, verse 5. Mm. I don't get it. He should have built that altar. Never mind the calf. See? Worship this. Because this this, this is where we need to worship at the altar. Would you worship that Catholic? Last time I checked, it don't tell you nowhere in the Bible where our Lord was a Catholic. How are you going to worship that? How are you going to worship that? I thought he was a he, I thought he, well, he's spirit, but he, he made us in his likeness and in his image. We don't look like no animal. Last time I checked. It's amazing how some people can do something the Bible clearly warns us about. And then somehow attempt 
to explain their actions to the point that they think that it's okay or even good. Come on now. You can't do a silly sin sentence and then try to explain it away like it's okay or it's good. No. The word of God is the word of God. Accept it or reject it. Because God don't change. What he says he's going to do, how he says he's going to do it, when he says it's going to happen, it all occurs. God don't lie. He is the God of his word. So we need to fall in line. The Israelites, his chosen, they attempted to justify their actions by saying that this golden calf was a representation of the Lord. Come on now. What is wrong with that picture? A representation of the Lord. Oh, no. You know. Mm -mm. What is wrong with that picture? How is that going to represent the Lord? What you saying now? He's a cat? I don't get it. But you trying to explain it away. Like the, like the saints say, trick no good. Yeah, no good. God does not want us to have any image to assist us in our worship. He doesn't. A person who really knows God, who had experienced the new birth and is living in fellowship with him, does not need an image or representation to help him write. Don't need it. If a person needs such a thing, it proves that he has no inner spiritual life. Now this is not to say that a picture or a painting of Jesus is wrong. It is most likely inaccurate. And I'm gonna tell you why. No man at any given time has seen God. If he had to put Moses in a cleft of a rock and put his hand over that as he passed by, Moses would look upon him and live. No man could. No man has seen God at any given time. There ain't nowhere in the Bible except for when you get into Revelations and a whole bunch of folks don't like to go here. But Revelations is, is, is the beginning and the ending of what's going to occur. It doesn't give no physical description in any of the epistles of what Jesus looked like. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they didn't say he had blue eyes or hazel eyes or he was this stature, he was medium. It didn't give no physical description. And these men were inspired to write the gospel by the Holy Spirit. They give no physical description. So, I don't, like there's nothing wrong with it, but it is most likely inaccurate, the, the pictures that you see. Because no man, he said no man has seen God at any given time. Let that resonate. Let that penetrate your mind. Ponder it for a while. Let it resonate. Because he said no man. So if he's saying no man, that means no man. But it is not wrong in and of itself. They could have just did a figure if they chose to. They didn't have to put a face on it. But it's not wrong and of itself. What is wrong is the belief that you need a picture, 
a sculpture or something else to help you to worship God. That's what's wrong. Next idol, a false concept of God. We cannot create anything that will ever be a true representation of the living God. We can never have it. Because we don't even know what he looked like. So how are you going to make something and you don't even know what God looks like? For it will give us a false idea of what God is really like. If the image is false, the thought of God is false. And that produces a false character. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. That's God's word. That ain't, that's God's word. Psalms 115, 5 and 6, and verse 8. There's going to always be scripture to back up God's word. Always. A man becomes like the thing he worships. If he puts anything in place of God, he ultimately becomes like it. Anything that you put before God, you will ultimately become like it. After all, what is it to be a Christian? What is it to be a Christian? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. I'm so glad you asked me that. Because I'm kidding. It is to be like Christ. It is to be like our Father, our Lord, and our Savior. He made us in His likeness. He didn't have to, but He did. He knew us by name. He, he chose us before the foundation of the world. We should be like our Father. And the Bible tells us how he lived his life. How he lived while he was here. He set the perfect example of how we are to be like him. We shouldn't want to be any other way but the way he is. To love like him, to have empathy like him. To be helpful, to meet a need, to love, to comfort. That's what he wants his children to do. To love on others as he has loved on us. He loves on us every day. Whether we deserve it or not, he still loves us. Still loves us. He puts up with so much of my mess that I'm like, Lord, I, and I break down and I cry. He says, Lord, I don't, I don't see what you see in me. But he does. He knows the thought of my heart of me. So for this reason, God does not want us to cling to a false representation of who he is like. Those that have been born again 
We know who he is. We know what he says because it's written in his word. It's written in his word. This is the truth. This is what you need to be reading, studying, meditating on this right here. This is life. This is life. This is the only book that's important that we should be reading and living by and applying our lives to. It takes a lifetime to live one scripture. And he gave us two. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. He said, and the second is like unto this. Love thy neighbor as you love thyself. On these two hang all the law and prophets. It takes a lifetime to live love. If you love someone, you ain't gonna hurt someone. If you love someone, you ain't gonna talk about someone. You ain't gonna bash them and beat them down. If you love someone, you're gonna help them and not hurt them. If you love someone, you're gonna encourage them. You'll be there for them even if they're not there for you. If you see their need and you can meet that need, you'll meet it. Because you have the love of Christ. He fed thousands. He healed thousands. He gave sight to the blind. He raised the dead. He fed the multitudes. He preached the good news. He did all that and then some. He did so much in the time that he was here. There's not a book big enough in this world to contain it all. So on this day, amen, I thank God for who he is. I thank God that he gave us this word. Now we know what idols are. So are you idolizing anything or anyone before God? Are you putting anything or anyone before him? If so, you need to put it down. You need to go and you need to lay before God and you need to repent. You need to repent, sincerely repent. And ask the Lord to forgive you because he does. He loves us. He loves us. He said, I come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. So I thank and praise God for his word. I pray that his word touched your minds and your hearts. That it resonate within you because this is a gem. This is they they say the gold, the golden book. This is the one. This is this is better than gold. This is priceless. This right here. And the words in there are priceless. They give life. They tell us how we should live our life. And I'm trying. I, I'm not giving up. I'm trying. He didn't give up on me. I'm not giving up on him. So those that are able to stand, stand. As I pray this out, I pray that this, the word of God has been a blessing to you as it's been to me. And now, let us bow our heads in prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you and we praise you on this morning for your word. Lord, we pray that your word resonate in our minds and upon our hearts, Lord. Lord, stir up that thing within us, O oh God. Lord, let your word go out that, that we know that it shall not come back void. Lord, that it will go out and do what it is set to do. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for those here, there, and everywhere. And ask, Lord, that you meet each and every need, O oh God. But that you strengthen those that are sick and afflicted in their minds and their bodies. Lord, whatever it is that they need, O oh God, is, if it's according to your will and your purpose and the purpose that you've placed on your lives, then let it be. Lord, we thank you for your precious blood, who you are and whom we are. We'll never fail to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. In your precious and holy name, O oh gracious Father, we pray. Amen. Amen.
you enjoyed this podcast, we have three different ways that you can give. One way is using the Givelify app by downloading Givelify using your iOS or Android device and search The King's Healing Room, where you will see our senior pastor, Bishop Brian K. Hill's senior photo. You also can use our text to give. Here how it works. There are five steps. Step one, text GIVE to 1-844-981-2759, which is a unique to the King's Hill Room. Step two, you will receive a text with instructions. Step three, follow the instructions to set up a given account. Step four, text the amount you want to give and the designation. It could be a tithe, offering, or general fund. In step five, you will receive a receipt via email confirming your gift. And here's the last way you can give. You can use PayPal and send your donation to tkhroffice at gmail.com. That is T-K-H-R-O-F-F-I-C-E at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to listen to more messages like the one you have heard. We are the King's Healing Room and we are a kingdom ministry with a global presence.